I'm going to excuse the kids for kids club. I'm Scott. I'm one of the elders here, and it's my privilege today to uh, open the word for us. Uh, three weeks ago, we were in Acts chapter 5. I got to uh, preach that. Uh, and two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Ben jumped to chapter 6. I told you at the end of my sermon uh, the last time that what happens in 5 uh, is really incredible reaction to what happened at the first part of, of, uh, of chapter 5. And so uh, we're going to jump backwards uh, this week, and then Ben will jump us forward again the next time he preaches in Acts. So if you would pray with me, and then we're going to open. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's your word that teaches us. It's your word that, that speaks truth into our lives. Father, I pray that you would use uh, this time that we would worship you uh, through the study of your word, through, uh, through your scriptures, and that, uh, that you would just do what you have uh, to do in each of our lives this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So three weeks ago we were in uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. If you remember with me, uh, Ananias and Sapphira were lying to the church about a field that they sold. They were lying about how much money that they had sold it for. They were doing it for the purpose of gaining some esteem in the church. See, Barnabas, in the end of chapter 4, had sold a church and given all of the proceeds to, um, to the church to meet the needs of the people around them. And they saw the recognition that Barnabas got, and they wanted some of that for themselves. But they didn't want to give all that they uh, had sold. They were holding back some for themselves. They weren't completely trusting it to God. They were holding back um, some. And if you remember, uh, the Holy Spirit gives Peter the insight to see that they're lying, and God judges them with death in that scripture. It was a hard passage to wrestle with. Uh, the reality that, that our sin deserves death, that the wages of sin is death. And all of us, if we're honest, have sin in our life that deserves death, but by the grace of God, we've been um, allowed to continue to live on this earth for his purposes and for his glory. In verse 11, uh, it wraps that that section up says, Great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. And this fear we talked about the last time I was up here is, is a fear that creates a purity. It's, it's not a, it's a fear of, of the reality that, that God um, is capable and is justified to judge our sins. But what it did in the church is it created a purity and a holiness in the early church. And we're going to jump into to cha uh, chapter 5, verses 12 through 42 today. I'm going to start uh, just kind of reading it, and we'll walk through it, and, and I'll pick out some of the things that I think are important for us. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, 
so that they even carried the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Signs and wonders were happening regularly. The Holy Spirit was so filling the believers that they were healing people, that they were casting out demons, um, that the needs of the, of the people around them were being met. There was a purity in the church, and there was power in the church. People were seeing it. When we as the church, live in holiness and in, and in power and in the power of the Holy Spirit, it does something to the people around us. If you look, uh, starting in verse 13, none of the rest dared to join them. There was a segment of people that said, no, I'm going to stay away from that. But they still held the church in high esteem. They valued, they recognized the good that was happening, but they were saying, no, that's not for me. In verse 14, we see, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. See, when the church lives in holiness and when the church exists in power, people come to know the Lord. There is always going to be a segment of people that say, no, uh, I'm out. But, but more than ever in the church's history, people were added to the Lord. People came to trust Jesus as their Savior. People were so astonished at what was happening that they brought the sick out into the streets just so that Peter's shadow could pass over them. Then at the end of verse uh, 16, all were healed. All the people from neighboring towns that were coming to experience this, uh, whether, they were, whether they were coming um, to, be become, to see it and become believers or whether they were coming just for the gifts, they were all healed. We've seen that before, um, that kind of power. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 29. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered under many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports of Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the, blood flow, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. This miraculous stuff that's happening through the Holy Spirit is the same power that lived in Jesus. It's the same power that this woman had faith to just reach out. Um, 
the people that were, were hearing about the stories of, of the apostles and the stories of Jesus through the apostles had the faith that Jesus could heal them. When this starts happening, when the multitudes start gathering and the church is expanding and exploding, um, we see in, as we move on here that there's a third um, response. In verse 17... But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in, in the public prison. Opposition is going to come. If we become a church that is holy, and we become a church that lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be opposition to the gospel. There will be people who will take shots at us, who will persecute us. So we move on. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to, to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. God delivered them. He sent an angel of the Lord into this prison where they were locked up, opened the doors, let them out. In our culture, in our world, I think we struggle with this concept of God being able to meet um, and deliver us from our pain, from our circumstances. I think it's because we want a deliverance that's for our safety. See, the angel of the Lord didn't come to them and say, here, you're out, go run and hide. He said, no, go back to the temple and preach everything of this life. So much we want God to heal us for our pain, heal us from our pains, from our trials, from our struggles, from whatever's imprisoning us. But we want it so we can be comfortable, so we can hide, so we can um, move away. We have a tendency in our culture um, to, to ask the question why would God allow pain? Why would God allow people to be imprisoned? The reality is there's deliverance for us, but it's always going to come with a purpose of his glorification. And we may not see it on our timeline. The apostles went back to the temple, and they went back to preaching. And I'm assuming that these are smart enough guys that they knew they were going to get arrested again. They knew they were going to get called back uh, into um, trial. Now the high priest came. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and uh, and sent to the prison to have them brought. 
But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked, and no one inside. Now the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words. They were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. People were gathering around Jesus, around the apostles. And they kind of liked this story. And so it was driving fear into the hearts of the Jewish leaders, especially the Sadducees. It was driving a, um, a wedge of opposition between these two people. And they were fearful that they might get stoned if they took the men by force. But the, the apostles um, went freely when they came and gathered them. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostle answered, We must obey God rather than men. We uh, kind of like that phrase. But it's not meant to be used lightly. See, their, their obedience to God was to preach the gospel, even to death. It wasn't to get out of some sort of law. The scriptures teach us that, that we're to obey our authorities. In Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no, one, no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. Because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers to God, attending to this very thing. Pay, all, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. See, when Peter is telling them that he needs to obey God rather than men, it isn't just a, it isn't a shallow, I don't like your rules and I'm not going to follow them. It was an understanding that the gospel needed to go forth, that the proclamation of, of the gospel um, was their uh, biggest responsibility in this life. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. The God, God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and for forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses 
to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. See, he followed his statement of we must obey God with a clear presentation of the gospel. Jesus was killed, he was raised, and that God exalted him as leader and savior for the forgiveness of sins. When the Sadducees, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. See, the opposition continues to grow. The opposition to the gospel um, continues to infuriate them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was killed. And all who followed them were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might be found opposing God. So they took his advice And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Gamaliel was a respected teacher. He was the mentor of Saul of Tarsus, who we know later becomes Paul. He gave them some pretty solid advice. Um, and to let these apostles live. And we should be thankful as the church. Because they, as we'll continue to look at, they continue to preach the message and, and it has reached us. If uh, his advice was that if, if this is a undertaking, if the apostles are just making stuff up, then it's going to fail anyway. It's true. When, you, when we do things on our own power, um, they fail. And we look at our world and there's all kinds of religions out there and you go, well, these aren't really failing yet. Um, that timeline, we don't know what that's going to be like, but they will fail. We know that when Jesus comes back, um, the only thing that's going to stand is, is his people, his followers. You cannot overthrow a work of God. Verse 40 uh, through 42. And they called in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Most biblical scholars believe that they 
were given the uh, traditional 40 lashes minus one. Jewish, uh, in the Jewish faith, they believed that 40 lashes would kill a man. And so they were given 39 lashes. Uh, they were flogged um, and beaten soundly. And then they charged again. And then they were let go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. Because here I don't have to suffer very much to be a Christian. I certainly don't know what it means to be flogged and beaten for my faith. These men were different. I think they were different because they saw Jesus crucified. They saw a a man beaten to the point of death and then hung on a cross to die. But they also saw Jesus risen. And so they were able to leave this beating rejoicing with great joy in their hearts Because they came to a point where they understood that there's nothing, even death, that these people can do to take Jesus away from them. To take salvation away from them. How important is the gospel of Christ and the honor of his name. How important is it to us? Are we believers that, that live in a, in a place, do we really believe the gospel is so powerful that nothing, even death, even a severe beating, pales in comparison to the glory and joy of knowing Jesus? That's where the disciples left. They left the council with joy because they were worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. See, this beating didn't slow it down at all. In fact, It intensified the preaching. We're going to continue in Acts. Um, I believe we're going to continue for a number of more weeks in Acts as a church. We're going to see that the church just continues to grow in holiness and in power. And people keep coming to the Lord. Is the gospel worth more than anything else to you? I asked that question. I don't know that I can answer that. Um, Does that reflect on this passage? In moments, yes. In other moments, that answer is definitely no. Um, I pray that we would become a church that lives, yes, that that's our answer, that, that the gospel is worth so much more. That we would be willing to sacrifice, that we would be willing to suffer 
for the sake of another person getting the opportunity to know Jesus. Father God, would you make us those kind of people? Would we understand your truth, that you are all we have and you are more than enough? And that glory does not come in this life. This life is not all that we have. We have eternity in you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.